Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. Jesus, thank you so much. God, we come together and we're reminded of who you are, and I pray you lift the head of every single person in this space today. Give us over to a bold faith and a trust in you in all aspects of our life, and we're so grateful for what you've done on our behalf, and help our lives to be a response to what you've done. And so, um, God, I pray in this season as a church family, you'd stir our faith and our conviction that we're to be a people uh, who live open-handed and uh, who are blessed to be a blessing to others. And so I'm grateful already for what you've done. Gratitude over the things that you've accomplished over the life of our gathering as a church family, but just full of expectation for what you want to do in the future. We believe that on faith. Excited for today. Holy Spirit, speak to us through your word. Lift the head of every single person in this room. Help us to see and experience Christ in a new way. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. You guys high five someone around you, hug someone, tell them, Good morning. Happy Sunday. Some people coming in. If you got room, slide in. We get some people in the room. Um, hey, if you're if this is your first time at Soma, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, we love you day one. We're so excited for what God's doing in the life of our church. And, um, and you belong day one. And uh, hopefully it feels like coming home. Hopefully a team member has already welcomed you and... Uh, if you have any questions, come hit me up, one of our team members up after the service, Next Steps tent outside, or just you'll see people wearing lanyards. There's a Next Steps card in front of you, and uh, it's our way to communicate, serve you better with what's going on in the life of our church. It's Baptism Sunday, and so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're excited for that. We, we already had, we had three people get baptized at the 8 a.m. service, fam. So it's like... Y'all are like, yeah, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. is 8 a.m.'s a party, okay? So it's like, it's, it's awesome. Um, so powerful to see people um, who have placed their trust in Jesus go public with their faith. And I just want to challenge you, if you're here and you haven't taken that next step in following Jesus into baptism, man, do that today. Uh, it's a really big deal. Um, don't wait. Don't wait around. Like, if you're if you're an adult believer and you've never, you've never, um, You've never followed Jesus by going public with your faith. Pray about it. Today could be your day. We do this pretty regularly, but we have everything that you would need in order to take that next step. We have people already registered, but we always want to make it open for people who feel like the Holy Spirit's leading them to, to go public with their faith. And team member will pray with you, talk you through why we do baptism. And uh, it's really just an expression of death to an old self and being raised to new life in Christ. We're going to talk about that today and what the good news means for us and, and really just telling everybody, hey, this is who I am and what I believe. And there's a level of commitment there. And so we're excited for people who are going to take, um, take part in baptism. So celebrating the holy hot tub as we dub it. So, um, so no, one more thing before I jump into this week um, as we talk through legacy. So uh, we have in a couple weeks a series. We did it last year. We really tried it out last year because we didn't know if people would receive it or not. So Jesus taught in parable form. He primarily leveraged story to unpack really biblical truths and what God was trying to speak. And so he always used, people are always confused. What is he saying? What is he talking about? It's always parable form, but it was always some story and some metaphor that pointed to a greater truth. 
And so um, we, we decided to get creative last year and leverage that kind of model by using modern-day parables in the form of movies and then giving biblical truths in between kind of scenes, basically showing that every story is about the story. So we have a series coming up in two weeks called At the Movies. If you were here last year, we did it kind of a Christmas theme. This one's going to be a little bit broader. And so for several weeks, literally, we're turning this joint to a movie theater. If you have friends that do, like, this is not going to be an exegetical unpacking of the Book of Romans. If you're like, I need more, like, that's more my style, that's more my jam, this is not that. This is for the people who you know in your life who hate church. Bring them to this series, okay? If you have people who hate church, that's that's the way I advertised it last year. We grew by 20% in this series last year just because people who were unchurched, de-churched, had given up on it. They just decided to come and uh, and ate popcorn and drank a Coke while while movies were played. And then everybody was crying at the end. It was really kind of wild for me, too, because I was here, and but I wasn't teaching. And so it was just kind of wild to see God use it in a powerful way. We had people respond, give their lives to Jesus, and get baptized even out of that series. So if you do nothing else for me, pray for it. Pray. If you do nothing else, pray for it. And then really just ask God, hey, if there's people in my life who, um, who've given up on the idea of church, just invite them to come to this series. It's an easy ask. Um, there's little cards that we have, little invite cards. They actually look like movie tickets. How cute is that? So anyway, the team, creative team, shout out to them. So we have some of these. I don't know where they're at. I think maybe they're pa- passing them out on the way out today and we'll have some next week as well but it's just so easy you're in a drive through somebody that you know place of business a regular acquaintance but it's just a vehicle for an invitation everything awesome in your life is there by way of invitation you have the job because somebody invited you uh you you got married because someone had to ask somebody to be in that relationship right everything in your life is 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 that way by invitation god invites us into relationship with him and then and then out of the overflow of that Really, it's our job, the Great Commission, to make as many disciples as we can. And it starts with just letting people know about who Jesus is and what he's done. So um, there's that series. All right, we're into Legacy. We're Legacy Week 2 and excited for this series. This series is all about, hey, what what do we want to be known for at the end of our life? If we're taking inventory of how, how we live and all that God's given us at the end of our days, what do we want to be known for? And last week we kicked off this series. Um, we were talking about this theme of leaving a legacy by being faithful to trust God with what he's put in our hand. And so um, uh, we talked about being stewards and not owners. The good news about stewardship is you're not responsible for what God gave your neighbor. You're only responsible for what God gave you. And if you're like me, sometimes I try and I'm better at thinking about managing my neighbor's time or my neighbor's possessions or my neighbor's resources or my neighbor's relationships than I am about stewarding my own. But stewardship really is all about, man, what God, what have you put in my hand? And so uh, I'm not responsible for how you spend your time, your gifts, your energy, your passions, your money, or your influence. I'm only responsible for how I invest mine. And so uh, we talked about the difference between having a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. And a scarcity mindset is focused on what we don't have, and an abundance mindset is focused on what we do have. And, and it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many resources you have, it, you, can, you, can, you can have a scarcity mindset and be affluent, and you can have an abundance mindset and have, not have very much at all. And so the whole, the whole thing is like, God, what have you given me? 
and then like just be so grateful for the things that God, Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift in your life, everything awesome in your life is a gift and a grace on you. And it's an opportunity to stop, take inventory of it and go, dude, look what I'm working with. This is awesome, right? And just be excited about that and be grateful. Steward it well. And Bible tells us that as we do that, this is parable of the talents. He actually hands us more so that we can be a conduit of his grace. Uh, and But it's all about really having an abundance mindset. All I have is all I need to do the things that God's asked me to do. I don't have to do what he's called somebody else to do next to me, somebody else that I know. I really just have to do, God, what are you asking me to do? And then be faithful in that. Um, thinking about legacy, it reminds me, every time we talk, have this talk, I think about my granddad. I think about my dad's dad, um, who uh, he, <laughs> Randy, you, you're, you'll hear me talk about him sometimes, but Randolph is his name, twin brother Rudolph, and their nicknames are Sawed Off and Gnawed Off. Both of them were very short, and Randy was shorter than Rudolph, so he was, he was, uh, he was sawed off. And so he had, but he always wore suspenders. And he always had a comb, a little plastic black comb in his pocket, always wore the button downs and just baller. I mean, he just like, he slicked his hair back, what was left of it, he always slicked it back. And, and, uh, and but he was a hardworking man. Like he grew, he, he had a family of six kids and, uh, and only had a third grade education. And so, um, you know, rural part of North Carolina, grew up where education wasn't a huge priority, got out of school pretty early, was working on a farm, all that kind of stuff, and, and then just had to grind, work hard the rest of his life really to provide for his family, was a carpenter, really great at that, but ended up having this family that everybody grew up, everybody did really well, and he had one kid that pastored the church that we grew up in, one was a superintendent of the school system, my dad's really done really well in business, and his brother and his sisters, and everybody's just kind of done really well, but only because Randy was willing to like put in sweat equity, time, blood, sweat, tears, everything to provide to set his family up. And, and his legacy was marked for me whenever he passed. I remember this scene where he's laying down. We were there. It was right after Christmas one year. He had cancer and, uh, and we, family was called in. It was just kind of a wild scene the way it all played out. But uh, my, my grandma's there and then all the kids are just around the bed. And, and they're all praying for him, and they're all just, like, there together, just, just, just being there with Dad and praying for him. And I thought, man, that's how I want to go, right? So I'm just seeing this thing play out. And, and, and what was wild for me is Randy did not like to leave this little town that I grew up in. I grew up in a small town where, like, the best thing going in this small town was, like, the independent drugstore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, that was it. It was, it was a soda shop, a tiny bank you could walk in and out of, uh, a blinking, like, we didn't even have a stoplight. We just had, like, a blinking light. And, uh, and then an IGA store, shout out Carol's IGA. And, like, just, but, but it was just small town vibes, like 500, city, 500 people in city limits, and somehow four churches completely full on Sunday. I'm not exactly sure how that works. But anyway, so, but, but grew up in this small town, and uh, everybody knew everybody, everybody knew everybody's business, and one of those kind of things. And, and Randy never left. He hated going on vacation. It, like, we would take him places, and he hated it. He was like, I just want to be home. And so um, he never liked to go anywhere. And then, but when he passed at his funeral, I stood in line, and, you know, at the wake, and people uh, coming to just pay respects. For five hours, I shook hands. And I was like, who are you? Like, where did you even meet these people? Like, where did these people come from? This is insane. And so 
it was wild. And it was people who he stopped and talked to in the grocery store every single time he went or people who he had helped financially. He always had 20 bucks to hand me. It's like, how do you have, like he just, it was always handing people money, always being generous. And, uh, but he just, he loved people. And so he, he, he was marked by that. His legacy was all, all kind of wrapped up in the way that he lived his life, real open-handed, and he was generous with his time. He was generous with his gifts uh, and the things that he was good at. He helped other people with the things that he was good at. And he was even generous financially towards people. And that's the legacy that we feel like, man, God's calling us to just give our lives over to the things of God. What would it look like if I lived open-handed? Our job, your job, is to steward your time, talent, treasure, and God's able to take whatever you have to offer and leverage it for your good and his glory. Uh, we had a couple theme verses last week. I'm going to unpack these theme verses today. I got, I got a couple um, things that I want to do today. So I want to just give you kind of a biblical basis for, for why we do this season and what it's all about. I want to celebrate the faithfulness of God and really just stop and reflect on how awesome he is and what he's done over the past year in the life of our church. And then I want to I cast some vision, some expectation for what we feel like God's doing in this season uh, over the next year for us as a church. And so um, here's the biblical framework. This is Matthew 6. Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, uh, and basically, he's just saying, hey, generosity is our joy because we give to what we love. If you, know, if you want to know what you love, think about how you invest your time. Think about how you invest your energy. What are the things you wake up thinking about? What are the things you go to bed thinking about? Where are your resources going? Pull that online banking up. He will tell you what you love. If you've got a hobby, you give to it. Come on, somebody. It's hunting season. If you've got, a ho- if you got like what, a Target, whatever, whatever your thing is, like it's reflected in the ways that you give and your resources. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so the question that we have is like, what do I invest in first? What do, where does my time go first? Where do my talents go first? Where does my money go first? And it's a reflection of my heart. And, and, and then again, this is Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul gives us commentary on this when he writes to Timothy, his, his understudy, uh, when he says this in 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor set them hopes, their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share. And so I love this passage of Scripture because it says, hey, your hope is going to go somewhere. Don't attach it to the things that God's given you, even the vehicles by which you, you gain resources. Because some of us, and that's been mine historically, is I'll attach it to like a vocation. Even ministry can be an idol. Come on, somebody. Like, it, like anything, like don't attach it to that stuff. Attach it to him. Like, put your hope in him. He's given you everything in your life of any value, relationships, the time you have, the gifts you have, even the treasure that you have. Attach it to him. And so, um, and then it says this. Here's what's going to happen. Be good, do good, and be rich in good works. If you're going to be rich, be rich in your impact. Be rich in, in the influence that you have in people's lives. To be generous and to be ready to share. And then the Apostle Paul he gives us a different angle on the same situation when he's writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, we did a series last year in 1 Corinthians, and I love the church of Corinth because church in Corinth sounds a lot like church today. 
uh, church in Corinth was wild, y'all. They were wilding out. So the Apostle Paul, he writes to the church in Corinth. Through, they're a little crazy. But he, he writes this in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In other words, Jesus who had everything, he gave up everything so that we in our brokenness and our poverty and our poor spirit, we could inherit what we don't deserve. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's the reason why we're doing baptisms today because that's just a public declaration of that. Hey, man, I didn't deserve it. Man, I was broken. Man, I was poor in spirit. But you came, Jesus, so that I could experience rich, richness in you. I could experience your righteousness, your eternity, and right relationship with God, not because of what I've done but because of who you are. And so verses right before that passage says this, is what it says. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 and 8. Since you excel in everything, if you excel in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And so um, Corinth, had, Corinth had a reputation of being a little bit of an arrogant people um, as, a, as a young church and just like most young churches are, right? And so a little bit abrasive, a little bit we know better, that kind of thing. Paul rebuking them a little bit in his letters. And so he's like, hey, you guys are awesome. You're doing amazing. You're doing all the things right, right? So if you're doing all these things so good, make sure you do this as well. Um, make sure that you grow in the grace of giving. And then he says this, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Paul's so smooth. So Paul says, he says, hey, listen, it's not a command. It's not a legal requirement. It's not a tax. You don't have to do this, but I'll know what you're about based on the way that you live. And I'm watching. Like, that's what Paul says to the, to the church in Corinth. He's overseeing this young church, and he's like, listen, you guys talk a great game. Awesome. We'll know if you're about that business. We'll know if you're about the things of God based on how you spend your lives. What do you spend your life on? Again, time, talent, and treasure. And specifically here he's talking about the grace of giving. He's, basically Paul is telling the church in Corinth, hey, put your money where your mouth is. Right? So, and so this is what he's saying. He said, hey, your generosity will prove your earnestness. In other words, man, be about the things of God. And so he goes on in that same passage. He says this in verse 7 and 8. You must each decide in your own heart. And this is our verse for giving. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. We mentioned this last week when I started talking about going through the checkout line at PetSmart and obligated, feeling obligated to give a dollar to homeless cats. It's that moment where people get, like, they hit you up for a dollar or 20 or whatever and you give, but it's not out of a heart of generosity. It's like, okay, like, okay, cool, like, whatever. And, and the Bible's telling us, Paul's saying, listen, God wants you to give in a way that it becomes a thing that you're excited to do that it becomes an act of worship. Really, it's more an expression of a faith and a trust in him and a leading of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will ask you to do crazy things outside of your agenda and your time and, and even your budget to just, man, but it's a faith thing. Paul says, hey, it's important that when we do it, we do it in a way that expresses generosity, the heart of generosity. Why? Because God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Why? Because God gives cheerfully. And so when you, when you and I give with a right heart of generosity, all, all we're doing is coming into alignment with who God is. All we're doing is reflecting the heart that he has for us. When, you got, when, when we give out of compulsion or out of obligation, we're, we're, that is not his heart. 
That's not what he wants for us. He really is more of a faith. He's like, listen, I want you to trust me. I want you to give to other people and live open-handed and be generous. Why? Because I'll, I'll give you more to steward and more to give if you'll trust me as the one who provides and gives for you. And it says this in verse 6. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 11, same passage. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So the question is, why does God bless me and you in every way? Does he do it for us? No. He does it for others. So you're a blessing. God blesses your life not for you, but for the people around you. And he want, it's, it's just a test. And, hey, I'm going to hand you this to steward. It's parable of the talents. So I'm going to hand you this to steward. I want you to invest it. And I'm paying attention to how you invest it. And as you invest it, I'm going to hand you more and trust you with more. And the things of God, the heart of God, is for his people. And, and, and it's for the people who are here. And it's for the people who aren't here yet. And so he's going, hey, I'm going to hand you some things. I want you to invest and steward that. So. You're blessed so that you can be generous in every way. God gives you more than you need so that you can be a conduit of his grace on your life. And, and this is the way I put it. It's what the more is for. Some of you are like, why do I have this big house for the people you're going to invite to dinner? Why do I have this boat so you can take somebody on it? Why do I have this car because somebody's going to need a ride? Why do I have, like, whatever God's given you, the idea is why do, how can I leverage what you've given me to help other people with what you've given me and not make it about myself? including, and for some of you, this is the most expensive thing, your time. So, so again, it's, it's how, how can I give and be generous with my time, my talent, my treasure? Overwhelmingly in this season, people have a focus on finances. That's super important. I would say what's most important for some of you is your time. And if you would prioritize your time, if you put God first in your time, it would reflect in your relationships. It would reflect in your gifts and your talents. It would reflect in your treasure if he was first in your time. And so put him first and then, and then watch God out of the overflow of that. Be generous. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a, a couple things. So I'm going to share with you a cycle of generosity. This is just biblically what we see. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about how that's played out in the life of our church over the past year. So this is what it looks like biblically. It looks like God gives generously towards us. Again, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every grace on your life, God's give, given generously towards us. It's things that you don't even think about. Things that like you, you just kind of, uh, you've never stopped and expressed gratitude for. Uh, some of you haven't thought about the fact that you grew up in the house that you grew up in. And you didn't merit that. You didn't do anything to earn growing up in a house where the Bible was available or uh, church was a priority or faith in God was something you inherited from day one. Or you grew up in a context here in the nation that we live in where we can gather and we can worship freely. Or you grew like all the things that we don't even think about are graces on our lives. Um, uh, they just are. So God gives generously towards us. What are we doing with what he's given us? Then it says we give generously towards others. So as he gives to us, again, the idea is be a conduit. You put it in my hand. Okay, cool. Now, I, now I'm going to be able to, to give and invest that into others. We give generously towards others. And then here's, here's what happens after that. God gives generously towards us again. <laughs> and so it's this faith activity over and over again where we have to trust God to provide for us. And then as he provides, 
we have to trust that as we let go of what he's given us, he's going to give us more so that we can be a conduit of his grace. This is the faith exercise. And the more we have, the harder it is. And I'll even say this for church life, because this is one of my greatest fears for us in this season. We've experienced a lot of growth, and a lot of people are coming. We're excited. We're looking at buildings and properties and things like that. One of my greatest fears is that we move into a property. This is what happens on a regular basis. And then we get comfortable, and then the church dies. Because instead of making it about people or about a mission or about the Great Commission or about the Great Commandment and about reaching and serving and extending and risking, and he, he goes, okay, I handed you that. Now you got to give it away. Instead of living that way, we're like, cool, we've arrived. And there's no off switch to the Great Commission. There's no off switch to like... You know, living the life that God wants us to live is something that we have to do continually, even as he gives us more. It's even a greater exercise in faith. And so he gives us generously, then we give generous towards others, and then God gives generously towards us again. Paul, he, again, he puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 9. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. And it's a promise. And the thought is I have to have, it has to look a certain way. Like I have to, I have to have um, a certain amount of money in order to be generous, or I have to have a certain amount of time, or I have to have a certain type of talent or gift set in order to be generous to others. Except biblically, we see the opposite. People who people who had very little are often the ones that are celebrated for their generosity and their heart of giving sacrificially in Scripture. Great example is uh, Jesus when he's. Um, uh, when he's feeding the 5,000, or at least 5,000 men, 15, 20,000 people, Bible scholars said about 20,000 people on the hillside. No one shows up with food except, it's kind of weird for me, uh, this one Jewish kid brings his Lunchable. It's like only one mom packed a lunch for this one kid. He rolls up at this uh, on the hillside to hear Jesus teach, and the disciples find this kid, and he has some fish and loaves, and it's like, what? You know, that's all he's working with. That's all God needs in order to feed everybody on that hillside. So you don't need a whole lot in order to be faithful with what God's handed you. You're not responsible for somebody else's portion, only for yours, and God can leverage that in great ways. And so I want to share um, some ways that we've impacted our region and our world this year because of this cycle of generosity. God's given us collectively as a church family some amazing resources. Then we're generous with those resources and then he's going to give us more. This has been the cycle from day one for us as a church. And so um, just so you know, we, as a church, what we do is we tithe the tithe, which is when those of you who give regularly here as a part of SOMA, we give uh, 10% towards local, national, international, any kind of outreach opportunities that we have to reach and serve more people outside of the walls of this church. We, we invest in those ways. And so I'm going to give you some examples of ways that we've done that this year. Here's some local missions examples of ways that we've done that. So we had, um, we partnered with um, a couple prisons where we sent care packages and Bibles, and we're really trying to build relationships with a couple local prisons. The goal for us long term is to have, hold services in some local prisons here regionally. Uh, in Western North Carolina. And we have a relationship. Andrew Lackey, who's on our team, has a, a background in prison ministry. Him also, Ashley, who's on our team, have a background in prison ministry. And so we have those relationships. It's just a, God, it's just a grace, just like resources are. Those relationships are a grace on our house. Hey, what if, we, what if we took what we do on Sunday, we made it available for people who are in prison somewhere else, and they become church family even behind bars? That's what it would look like. So $8,000 you guys gave to that backpack program, about $2,000 
$100,000 worth of food, Catawba County Backpack Program. Benevolence needs $12,000, $13,000 just for helping people in-house who had things going on. Serve Day, $22,000. We're giving to Salvation Army, Soup Kitchen, Pregnancy Care Center, Prison Ministry, Safe Harbor. We gave away a whole semi. There was 20,000 pounds of groceries. You guys gave away a whole semi worth of food to our community. And so people drove through. And not only did they get food, they got prayer. So it was so cool to see people drive up and our team members go out and just pray for people in their needs. Hey, do you, can I pray for you? And overwhelmingly, everyone's like, yes, you can pray for me. And so, uh, but we were also able to partner with local ministry partners and giving them some non-perishables so that it would support their ministry. Uh, Cornerstone Counseling, $3,000. Pregnancy Care Center, $2,000. Safe Harbor, $4,000. I know so many people at our church family who serve at Safe Harbor on a regular basis, uh, people on the board. And we went to some event the other night for Safe Harbor, and I was like, wow, half of these people are Soma people. So it's so cool to see not only what we're doing here on a Sunday, but you guys are engaged in the life of what God's doing outside of these walls Monday through, through Saturday in our community. Um, national missions. We partner with ARC, the Association of Related Churches. And so you guys, what we do is we give a percentage of what we bring in as a church to give towards ARC, not because we have to or we're trying to pay something back, just because we get to sow into other people's plants. And so um, $12,000 you guys have given to ARC this year to support a church planner, specifically one up in Philadelphia. You guys gave $5,000 to a couple up in Philadelphia, uh, Mark and Monica. And then uh, Convoy of Hope, $7,000 has been given to like, so for example, after hurricane relief efforts, disaster efforts, this is in, this is on top of the semis worth of food, okay? So um, website development, we've said, hey, what if we, what if we did a better job investing in what we're doing uh, on Sundays? And so we've begun to invest more in building an online experience, building a better website experience, not so that we can create some substitute for Sunday gathering, but so that we can reach further than the walls of our church and just empower and impact people with the gospel. We've seen God do amazing things with that. And so uh, there's a whole new website that's getting ready to drop here in the next few weeks that team's been working on, excited for that. At International Missions, we have a partnership with, a, with someone called uh, One Hope, and, and One Hope is someone who does gospel tracts for kids. Um, it's in their native language. They do a Bible study, almost like a summer Bible camp experience for these kids, and they're giving them the gospel. You gave around 40,000 tracts um, through One Hope. And then um, Samaritan's Purse. So you saw on the way in, um, we partner with Samaritan's Purse this time of year where we're doing Operation Christmas Child. You gave $17,500 worth of um, gifts last year to families. Ours always go up to Boone, which always their, their location that they hit is in Africa from this location. And so we always take our gifts up there just so you kind of know wh where we're hitting and who we're serving. Um, but the cool thing about it is it's the thought is I'm just filling a shoebox with a Barbie doll and a slinky and whatever, you know. But it's not even about the shoebox. It's about the moment where they bring all these kids in the room and they're sharing the hope of Christ. There's a whole curriculum. There's a whole experience built out. One of our trustees has been on one of these trips. They flew him overseas, and, uh, and he experienced a distribution. And he's like, it's not just handing a kid a box. 
He's like, it's an entire agenda where they're bringing kids in. They're sharing the hope of Jesus. They have a Bible in their language. They get, they get the box. It's a whole experience. They get prayed over by name. It's just a, it's an amazing thing. So you guys partner through that. And then Illuminations Bible Translation is something else that we have partnered with this past year. You guys, you translated in someone's native tongue the, the entire book of Ephesians. And so the thought is, um, the, the thought is, you know, we have obviously in so many different translations, the, the Bible in English, but there are native people groups who don't, still don't have the Bible in their native tongue. And so they may have, to, they may, they may, they have like a tribal language, but then they also can speak French or they can also speak uh, English or they can also speak, you know, whatever uh, other two, sometimes two, three languages. But the one that they speak the most is that tribal language, is their native tongue. The one they talk to their parents, their friends, everybody in their community with is that tribal tongue. And so there's a lot of people groups who don't have the Bible. And because of your generosity, you translated Ephesians for an entire, entire people group. And so um, it's just been cool to see God do some cool things, local, national, and international missions. Another initiative that we had this year was, uh, really this past year, was Soma College. And so uh, we have gatherings called 412, and um, there's... There's a last one we did. We had 105, 18 to 25 year olds. It's an underserved demographic in our region. No one's really doing anything to, to serve the population of college age students. And it's in a time of your life. Uh, if you remember back to college, like I do, it's a time of your life extremely, it's, it's formational for, for who you're going to become as an adult. We want to create a space to disciple and equip and empower uh, our, our young adult population. And so um, the last gathering that we had, we had nine people respond to the gospel. It was, it was crazy to see God move. And so um, we said, let's invest in it. Um, if you're 18 to 25, um, you know, you don't have, like you're not, you're broke. Okay, let's just, I don't know how else to say it. You know what I mean? You're eating like, you're, you're eating whatever you can eat, whenever you can eat it. You got, all you have when you're 18 to 25 is debt. That's what you got when you're 18 to 25 when you're in school. So, so it's like, hey, it's not, it's not a way for us to like make money or it's not a way for us to grow financially. It's just a way for us to invest and sow into a generation. And uh, we've seen a lot of fruit out of that. As a matter of fact, Emily, who leads, she leads worship today. That's her in that, um, I'm gonna brag on her for a minute. I didn't ask permission to do this today, so I'm just going to do it anyway. But she um, she was at Western Carolina, went through an internship program with, them, program with us in the summer of 21, and fell in love with the church, fell in love with what we do, really desires to do ministry. And so she she stepped out of Western's program and joined us, and is now, we have a partnership with Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. And so you can actually get the accredited degree side of what we're doing, but also get the ministry, the practical ministry piece of what we're doing as well. She served as an intern and still is. And there's a, it's actually Nolan, who's up here as well, served as an intern same summer. And now he's on our team. He graduated from Liberty. But God, we've seen a lot of fruit as a result of investing in that, in that space and in that generation. I want to say this. We, we do internships. If you're in that season of life and that's something that you're excited about, something you want to be a part of, um, let our team know because... I mean, if you feel called to do ministry, if you feel called by God to do ministry, um, and we want to partner with you in that, and we want to equip you and, and be able to send you. So um, you guys gave $15,000 to really help us serve our college-age demographic. Soma Church, Motion. We always take our students to Motion every year. We took about 70 between students and adults this year. And uh, if, 
motion is un- insane. It's in, I don't really know how. You're in an arena, and there's 16,000 people. Everybody's worshiping together. It's like middle schooler and high schoolers. That many high, middle schoolers and high schoolers in an arena worshiping Jesus, it just hits a little different. And um, I don't know what your camp experience was like growing up as a kid. This ain't that. So it's, it's just, it's, and it's just like getting, I don't really know how else to describe it except getting waterboarded by the Holy Spirit. And so uh, you, you, it's just, I mean, the kids can't like, you know, it's like session after session by day three. We're all crying. We're all rededicating our lives to Christ. We're all fired up when we come back. You know what I mean? It's exciting to see God move in their lives. And we always have life change. We always have baptisms. And we always have fruit coming out of this event. And you guys give to that to offset the cost. We always tell, we, we tell students, I'm going to say it again for this coming year, don't let, don't let uh, finances be the reason that you don't go to motion. People, people come and they're like, I can't afford to go to motion. It's like, yes, you can actually. You, you can go, you can afford. What can you pay? And they're like, well, I can pay this. It's like, you can afford to go to motion, right? And so, um, and so we really don't, I mean, you know, some of us are positioned, we are, so that we can, we can send our kids. Some people need more help than others, and some people are positioned, they can scholarship three, four, five people. And we always have that happen every single year. God always provides. We always have what we need in order to send everybody that wants to go to go. And some people in the past have said, hey, let's do, let's do a car wash. You want to do a car wash? Let's do a car wash. Let's do a raffle. Let's do it. Like, everybody's got the ideas. From, I'm like, let's just give. Let's just give, and we don't have to wash cars. And we don't have to, like, like just, what are we doing? Like, and I don't have to give your portion. And, and I don't have to give your portion. I just have to give my portion. I mean, I'll just give. I'll give, and, and then God will bless it. And that's what's happened over the course of the life of our church. Um, I hate those things. Anyway, so uh, uh, the car wash is never really even good, if we're being honest. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm getting off this. So, the, so, so <laughs> oh, so that was, the, I was the, that was not even in my notes. That was extra. That was the Holy Spirit. So this is so, so, so this is uh, one other thing that we did this year was uh, obviously God's graced our church family in just a lot of different ways. One of the ways and is in is in the gift of music and we just have had a lot of people come and join our team and, and dream team just building out an incredible worship experience for us on a Sunday and we begin to say hey what would it look like for us to invest in that and uh and really kind of position us as a church um to to begin to write music and begin to just put stuff out there and just really create a soundtrack for Sunday for us but also hopefully prayerfully it just goes and, and blesses other people and so you guys have invested in that November 9th when we do our night of worship. So we're going to do a night of worship here on November 9th, that Wednesday night. Um, if you've never been to a night of worship, you need to come. And, and it's wild. We literally, when we started, we said we want to be a people that are marked by prayer. We want to be a people that are marked by praise. That's what we want to be marked by. And night of worship is really just a one night of just like, thank you, God. And it's just we're going and worship him. That's our agenda is a night of worship. And so, but in that night, what we're doing is that same day, we're going to um, drop an EP. And the team is it's really exciting. So it'll be on platforms. You'll be able to listen, download, stream, all that good stuff. But we're excited for that. And because of your generosity, it positions us to do things kind of above and beyond what we normally do on a Sunday like that. And then um, this is the main thing. Your generosity has made it so that over 200 people, over 200 people uh, have, have, place their faith in Jesus this year alone at Soma. And uh, yeah, y'all clap for that. Let's go. Um, right, close to 400 people over the last two years have expressed, have, have just publicly said, hey, I'm choosing Jesus. I'm stepping forward. 
Um, we've had just in the Good News series alone 77 people. Over the last eight weeks, right prior to this series, we had 77 people give their lives to Jesus. We had 68 people get baptized this year. Eight more registered today. Who knows what will happen uh, if you're here and you want to get baptized? Get baptized. But but all of that leads to this. The, all of that that moment where people experience who Jesus is in relationship to who they are, and they experience that change. They change their mind about who Jesus is, and they submit and surrender their lives to them. It gives, over, it gives them over to uh, just a new faith. And then the, the goal is to root them in biblical community. And so not just to follow Jesus in isolation, but with people. And so to celebrate that we have close to 500 people who are in group life as a part of our church. So our kids do it every single Sunday. They're doing it right now. Our youth, every single time our youth gathers, they're, they're all automatically in group flow. And then our adult population, we've seen growth in groups over the past two semesters as well. Uh, we had 191 people go through growth track, people who said, I want to discover purpose. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to join the team. I want to get plugged in. And now today we have 401 Dream Team members uh, who serve, park cars, pour coffee, hold doors. Someone's holding your baby right now. People who do the whole thing. I'm, this is on because someone's, Jamie's back there, Dream Team. He's making it happen, right? So it's like 401 people who are a part of what we're doing and, uh, and it's just wild because two years ago, that wasn't even, that was way bigger than our church was. So, I mean, so it's just so cool. Over the past two years, our church has grown by like 233%. And it's a moment to steward, and it's, a, it's, it's like, it, it's just God. I'm not smart. If you hang out here long enough, if you're new, I'm not smart. You'll figure it out like week five, six. You're like, he's not that smart. And it's, it's, but, it's just, but it's just a testament to who God is and his faithfulness that, that, that he's building his church and he's equipping his church. And it's something for us to really celebrate, express gratitude for, be blown away by, but also expect more because he wants more for us. And so um, there's two opportunities for you to continue to be a conduit of God's grace in this season. So that's just what he did this past year. Um, and, and just based off of trends and just the faithfulness of God in my own personal life, I know that what he's done is amazing. And, and he tells us this in Ephesians, that, that he desires to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. So whatever you want for your marriage, whatever you want for your life, whatever you want for fulfillment, whatever you want from, like, the impact that you want to have, he desires to do more. And it's really just surrendering to his agenda that allows for that. Obedience gives way to abundance. And so there's an opportunity for us in this season to live in a way that we trust God with our resources and then just watch him do more. So mark your calendars. Legacy offering is December 11th, 2022. And I'm going to put it this way. It's, that's the day that we're going to celebrate as a church family. And so um, that second week in December, we always stop and reflect and celebrate and create a moment for people to give. But we also, just because we know, like for us personally as a family, we like to plan and we don't, we can't just drop in, you know, large gifts at the last minute moving into December and Christmas time. So we make the fund live for people to be able to give in advance. And so legacy, if you go online to giving, there's already a legacy fund available for those of you to be able to give. If you're new to SOMA, legacy, uh, that legacy fund is just an above and beyond offering. So we operate off of tithes. We operate off of regular giving as a church. And then what we do is we say, hey, what would, what would it look like? We, we cast vision for what we feel like God can do if we gave above and beyond what we normally give to accelerate the vision of his church. And that's what we've seen 
over the life of, of our church and especially the past couple years because of people's generosity. And so um, a couple things to reflect on and just educate on. Two years ago when we did Legacy, uh, we, we raised $64,000, which is a young, we were only two and a half years as a church plant. I was like, woo, we, bro, let's go. We're buying all the things. You know, I was so excited to just like, woo, we're killing it. And uh, it didn't take very long to figure out that that was not killing it. And so, and so, the, so last year, coming into last year, um, met with trustees and met with leadership and people, and they're really wanting direction and vision for where we're going as a church. What's the goal for Legacy? What are we doing? And I said, uh, I really feel like God's telling us that, you know, we can raise $300,000. And they said, based on what? <laughs> Literally, that's what, that's our conversation. They were like, there's no trends to reflect that type of, and I was like, no, I just really feel like on faith, that's what we feel like God can do. And uh, we ended up raising $330,000. And so, yeah, again, God's good. Not that smart. God's good. So, but, but it was just, it just, but what's cool is all the, all that we've been able to do over the, the life of our church in the past year and a half has been a direct result of people going, hey, I, I want to give to people's eternity. I want to give to life change. I want to give to just see God do a thing. I, I want, can I tell you what I want? I want revival. That's what I want. I don't care. You need to hear this from me, and it may scare you. I don't know. But I don't really, I don't desire to just have a church. Um, there's 573 churches in our region. We got enough churches, right? I want revival. That's what I want. I'm, I want to take every time he gives me something, every time he blesses our church, every time he blesses us personally, I want to take my chips, push those to the middle of the table and say, go. And I want, I want the Holy Spirit to get credit. I want God to get credit for incredible life change and redemption and restoration and freedom and purpose and fulfillment and life that me, nobody on our team, none of you can get credit for. Only God. Everybody looks at it and goes, yeah, God did that. That's insane. That's bananas. That's what I want. I want revival. And the way that we get there is we just have to like, we, we have to like lay down our agenda, lay down our lives really and go, okay, you do it. You do it. And that's kind of the moment that we're at, I feel like, as a church. We're going to keep having that moment in the life of our church where he challenges us and stretches us by faith um, to give. But So people were asking, hey, what's the goal for this year? What do we feel like we need as a church going into Legacy this year? And, um, and I think based on everything that we see, we've looked at, we're in a season as a church where we need to move into building phase. Um, we can run services, many services uh, as a church, and that's great. But at some point, in order to really reach more people, serve more people, and send more people, because I believe on faith that some of you are called to, to plant new locations, to go new places, to be missionaries, to be in, some of you are called to do that. And so, um, but in order for us to be positioned, in order to do that, uh, we have to, it's just good stewardship and it's the right next move for us to find more of a permanent home. We've looked at all the possibilities. We've looked at land. We've looked at every building that you can imagine regionally. And, uh, and so we want to be good stewards. We, we really, you know, God, what do you want us to do? We lease this space. We don't own this space. And so um, we're saying, hey, let's find a permanent facility. Let's begin to invest in that. 
rather than spending the money on lease, let's spend it on the mortgage or let's pay it off entirely and have more, more margin to do more ministry. And so we think it's going to cost probably around five to $10 million in order to do it the way that it needs to be done. And so that's a big number. And then, so they came and I just feel like on faith, it's like, what are we, what are we trying to do? I think we could in legacy this year, I think we need $3 million. And, and people hear that number and they're like, bro, what is, but it's the same thing over and over again. It's just like last year when we said, Hey, $300,000 is really what I feel like God's telling me. And I really think in order to kind of move forward and do what we need to in this season, $3 million is what we need. It sounds like a lot, <laughs> but and it's overwhelming. If I think of it just for, if I'm thinking about the number as a whole, but if I think about my portion, what does sacrificial generosity look like for me? I'm not overwhelmed by it. I'm just, God, what do you want me to do? So I would say this, it's not even about a number. I don't even care about that. As a matter of fact, that probably boxes God in. It does box God in. He, he wants to do more than that. But, but uh, if it was more about a participation. So if I said, hey, if you're a part of Soma, if you call Soma home, if this is your church family, I ask you for two things. Pray, pray about it. Ask God, what do you want me to do? What does sacrificial generosity look like for me? And then, and then have, have the, the courage of conviction to be able to step into whatever obedience you feel like God's asking you to do. Again, not your neighbors, yours, because sacrificial generosity looks different from all of it. It looks different from me than it does the single mom, than it does, uh, you know, someone who's, I mean, we have people who are part of our church family, very affluent, people who are not very affluent at all. Sacrificial generosity is a thing for all of us. And so I feel like that's what God's calling us to in this season. Um, and, and as we step into generosity season, it's just sobering to me that for, for Christians, 67% of our giving is outside of the church. And that's sad because it tells me a couple things. One, it tells me people don't trust the church. And, uh, and two, it tells me that people think, you know, it's, it's just more efficient, it's more effective if I give in these other ways. Um, and it's not that we're, I'm, I love parachurch organizations. I love nonprofits. If you name one, it, birth, it was birth, Salvation Army started as a church. World Vision, church. Samaritan's Purse, church. Like all of them, everything was kind of birthed out of the local church. Anyway, if it's done in Jesus' name, and if it's not, what are we doing? I'm all about building wells. I'm all about clothing people. I'm all about feeding people. We need to do that to the ends of the earth. We need to do it in Jesus' name. And so uh, I think not only just for us as Soma, but just in general as the people of God, how am I doing at, at taking what God's given me and giving that over so that I can have an eternal impact on people's lives? And so, um, so to close us out, bring us back, just remind us in this season, I, I was just, just pray, God, what do you want me to give? And then, and then just move forward on whatever he asks you to do. And you can do it between now and the end of the year as, as we're in legacy season. Pray about it. What's my portion? And here's how to do that. If you're new to our church and you, you don't know how to do that, here's what that looks like. Here's the opportunities or the lanes that we have for giving. Um, you give online. Majority of our church family gives online. Brooke and I, you, you go online. There's a tab. You set it up. Brooke and I, we give we, we do recurring giving because I don't want to miss that. Like, I don't want to miss my light bill or my mortgage. So we just set that up first of the month. That happens for us. You can set up giving. You can give online for Legacy. There's already a fund to pull down. You can do it on site. You wouldn't know it because we don't talk about it. We don't pass a plate, and there's not even signs. But, like, at the back, there's these little black boxes on your way out, and that's where people give by check or by cash. You could text 77977 to Soma Give. 
and just text that and it'll pop up and you can set up giving however you want to set it up. Um, and, and when we were thinking through, when we were thinking through what we felt like God was calling us to do in this season, it's so cool. He sent us a friend, somebody, I had a friend of mine call me and say, hey, do you guys have a way for people to be able to give other than just out of their checking? And I was like, no. And, uh, and he said, hey, let me, let me introduce you to this thing. And so uh, it's a third party, just like PushPay that we use for online giving. And you're able to give unique gifts. So for those of you that have a portfolio, you're able to give stocks, you're able to give crypto. People who, if you give through a trust or a foundation, overwhelmingly the large gifts that we've had as a church have come through those unique gifts of foundations and trusts and stocks. I had a buddy of mine a couple years ago, he called, he said, hey, I want to give stocks to the church. And I was like, I didn't even know you could do that. I was like, awesome, cool. And he was like, $10,000 worth of stocks, can I give that? And I didn't have a way. And I was like, yes, you can. And I, so I caught, you know, I hung up the phone and I called my buddy who's a financial investor. I was like, I need some help. So, but now you can actually go online. You can go to the give tab online and there's a place for you to, to you can actually set up so that you give um, from your stock. Cause most people's assets, most people's wealth is not in their checking account, but in other areas. And so if you want to give sacrificially in a large way, you can do that in this season. Cause again, it looks different for some of you are like, dude, I ain't got no stock portfolio. I ain't talking to you. I'm talking to the ones who have it. I don't have it either. I'll be giving through push pay. Okay. So, uh, I'm just telling you that God equips the body. God equips the body. And, and, and let me say this, there's going to be some of you that don't, you don't have very much, but you give sacrificially and God sees it and God will bless that in a way that he wants someone who doesn't give sacrificially. And so I'm just telling you like this, and it's just the Bible. So I'm gonna land right here. I'm gonna shut up right here. So we give generously and then God multiplies abundantly. We've already talked through this. God multiplies abundantly. Second Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. I love that. God gives you everything you need. He even gives you the seed. Hey, you want the bread? He even gives you the seed. And then he says this, it'll produce in the same way. He'll provide, increase your resources, produce a great harvest of generosity around you, in you. I want that. I want God to produce generosity in me. And so, yeah, I want to bless other people, but man, I just want to be given over to a spirit like him. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And I love that last part. We want to do something that God gets the credit for. I I want our church to be marked by, man, just a move of God. I want revival. I don't want anything less. Don't desire another, I could care less about just doing a thing for the sake of doing a thing and saying, yeah, we have a church. Like, I want revival. That, I don't want nothing less than revival. I want nothing less than revival. And so I'm going to just keep, we're just going to keep doing the thing and believing on faith that God's going to show up and, and he's going to get credit for all that he's doing in this season. And I want you to just join me in that effort. Pray for it. Participate. It looks different for every single one of us. Pray, ask God, what do you want me to do? Sacrifice. Sacrifice looks different for every single one of us. And I believe the Holy Spirit, I, believe, I know God will tell you exactly what, what it is that he wants you to do in this season. Just trust him. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much 
God, for your word. And thank you so much for the opportunity to gather as your people. And thank you so much for blessing us in every way so that we can be a blessing to others. Thank you that you stepped out of your riches and into our poverty so that those of us who are poor, poor in spirit, we could become rich in you. Right relationship with God, a future hope of eternity. And God, not just, not just heaven later, but an abundant life now. So give us over to your generous spirit. You desire to do a great work and, and give us over to a generosity that looks like you. And so uh, not just in the area of finances, but God, help us give our lives away to the people around us who need it. Yes, give us over to stewardship, give us over to planning, give us over to, to all of those things. But at some point, you're going to ask us to do some things outside of our plan. You're going to ask us to do us to do some things outside of what looks good on paper. On faith, we have to trust you and we have to be able to risk some things to see many people, to see lives changed. And so I pray that would happen today. Holy Spirit, I pray you would do something in our church family that only you can get credit for. Oh, that's scary. I pray, I pray that you would do something in us, do a great work in us so you can do one through us, God. But there's some things in our lives that you need to work over. There's some, some relationship struggles. God, there's some marriages in the room that are hurting, that need healing. God, there's some, um, some relationship problems that we have with our, uh, with our kids, God, who have left home, and we're just struggling with that. And there's some things that you need to work on in us. God, some of us have idols, things that we pursue, things that we put in, in priority of our life greater than you. We can make an idol out of anything, but help us not to trust in what you've given us or even the means by which uh, you've given us those resources, but, but to trust in you who provides for us. And so um, I pray uh, that you would do what only you could do. You'd ripen hearts. You lift the head of every person in this room. Help us to see and experience Jesus in a fresh way that makes us go all in, not in one area, but in all areas of our life. What does my calendar look like? How do I prioritize you? What do my relationships look like? How do I prioritize you? What have you gifted me and, and purposed me with and, and helped me? Who, who, how, how many ways can I influence and impact the people around me for, for my good and for your kingdom, for your glory? And so um, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus in a talk on money, I believe the Holy Spirit can meet you, save you anywhere. He, it's the moment where you actually change your mind about who Jesus is. You realize you're broken, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And it's that moment where the, God just reveals the person of Christ and, and you realize, I need that. I need a Savior and I need a Lord. And, and Jesus, I'm sorry, I've been trying to do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. So if that's you today, I would love for you to just confess on faith right now in this moment that Jesus is who he says he is and that you trust him with your life. Right where you sit, just pray this prayer. Prayer doesn't save you, Jesus does. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I'm sorry and I surrender everything to you. God, not just, not just part of my life, but you Lord over my life, every aspect. Help me to really submit and surrender and just trust you with everything that you've given me. And so um, I'm sorry that I make it about myself, God. I'm sorry that I, that I get selfish. I'm sorry that I, I'm sinning and, I, and I'm, I'm broken. But God, man, you just you step out of riches and into my poor situation so that I could experience what you want for me, what I don't deserve. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the cross and resurrection. Thank you for forgiveness and right relationship with God. Now, God, give me over to the abundance of joy. Give me over to a generosity. Give me over to a generosity and a generous spirit that I just live my life on mission and on faith for you. Lord, we love you. We celebrate life change today. For, for those of you that just feel like God's asking you to take part in baptism, I just want to, I want to pray right now for those who are going to be taking part in baptism and those who maybe even impromptu are going to take part in baptism today. God, thank you so much for life change. Thank you for the families who are here to celebrate. I'm praying for those who are going public with their faith, for those who are sitting right now 
Holy Spirit that you're speaking to to come and be a part, to go public uh, for Jesus. And so grateful for life change in our church and, and grateful for what you've done over the past year, but just full of expectation for where you're taking us. Lord, we love you and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.